Well, good morning, everybody. I told you, isn't worship awesome? I'm telling you, I could be like, worship all the time. Sometimes when we're doing worship and I'm like singing out like crazy, I'm like, oh, that's right. I'm preaching today. I got to like have some voice left. In fact, you can hear it a little bit. I'm going. <laughs> Don't you guys appreciate our worship team? Yes. Oh, thank you guys for what you do. I'm going to pray over our time with the word. Uh, Father, thank you for preparing our hearts to hear your word this morning. Thank you that you have us start with worship so that the mood or the climate of our heart is not what determines what we get out of the word, but instead you set the atmosphere so that when we read your word, it's in the same spirit who wrote it. So Holy Spirit, open our ears, open our minds to what you have for us this morning so that we can hear what Jesus has for us, so that we can follow him, stay close to him, and be obedient to him, both for our own walk, but also for those that are around us too. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In your name, amen. I am very excited for this message this morning. It is a theme that has been on my heart for a very, very long time. I didn't say this in the first service, but I realized I probably should have. Uh, this message uh, is pre-COVID, and you'll see why, what I mean by that in a little bit. I say pre-COVID because I think I heard a comment after first service of someone thought that I, pre- I preached this message because of COVID, and I realized in that moment, I was like, oh no, I want you to understand that the message that I have to preach this morning goes much further back for me than COVID. It's one of the great themes and loves of my life, and I'm excited to get to talk on about this morning. The title of my message is simple, is Church Is. Church Is. The reality is that I have become very weary and tired of hearing what the church is not or what's wrong with the church. It is very easy, I think too easy, to poke holes in the bride of Jesus Christ and to begin to only point out the things that are wrong with her rather than the things that Jesus sees and the vision that he has for the church and his bride. And the interesting thing is that a lot of times when I read something or hear something of somebody again making fun of the church, and to be clear, I don't expect the world to think highly of the church. When the world thinks highly of the church, I'm always like amazed. But most of the time, the world is kind of, I feel sometimes, God's prophetic voice to us to let us know if we're not living up to the standards that Jesus set for us. In many ways, I think God uses the world to kind of remind us, hey, we, you have this message of salvation, show us, talk to us about it. But what I have found is the people that usually tend to knock the church the most are often the people in the church. And I think that part is wrong. I feel like there's something wrong there. But what is difficult is that a lot of times when I hear things, like I said, that I read or hear, and I hear and I'm like, well, it's not that it's wrong. Like a lot of times the things that are being said are spot on and are good, and I find myself in agreement with them. For me, it's a balance issue, is that too often it's imbalanced in the ways that we talk about the church, because so much of it sounds separated from the spirit of Christ, who the Bible says came not to kill, steal, and destroy, but to bring life and to bring it to the full, that that is the spirit of Christ. Christ did not call us to become co-destroyers with Satan or accusers of the brethren or critics of doom, but rather Christ called us to be co-builders with him, to be givers of life just like him and advocates alongside the Holy Spirit, that that is our job, that is our call, that is what the spirit of Christ is like. 
In fact, the word that I see Jesus use most often in the scriptures, especially the book of Revelation, in regards to the church is not the word church at all, but bride. Everyone say bride. I don't know about you, but I'm smart enough to not mess with somebody else's bride. And yet how often we feel the freedom to do that with Jesus's. We have got to regain a reverence for the bride of Christ and to learn to muzzle our mouths and guard our words when we are talking about the one he died for and loves. We must recapture the spirit of Christ and how he feels about the bride. And that is not in some generic way, though there is a truth to the global church. It also means in how we see one another because we are all part of the bride of Christ. In Jesus's eyes, the church is beautiful. Not perfect, but beautiful. And yes, there is a difference, praise Jesus. You see, when I got married on my wedding day, and Sheena's coming down the aisle, I'm thinking to myself, she's beautiful. Bring me to tears, shaking my knees, beautiful. But if there was some naysayer over here and said, yeah, but does she have freckles? She have a wrinkle? I would have to go, well, yeah, of course she has some freckles. Of course she has a wrinkle. That makes her no less beautiful to me. In fact, when you are in love, imperfections in a crazy way become hallmarks of beauty. Amen? That is how Jesus sees his bride. He's not asking us to be perfect. He wants us to believe that in his eyes, we are beautiful. And that changes everything. And even more so, our job is to see ourselves and each other and the global church as Christ sees her and then learn to sustain that vision. For example, let me tell you about my first experiences with our church. We'll have a little fun. You say I came from Sacramento. I've always been a big city kid. Coming to a small town, you have stereotypes. And all I know is I'm moving north And the way that my wife talks about Red Bluff before we came up here is I was shocked that there were paved roads. (laughs) No joke. It's like, it's not as bad as I thought. But I get up here and, you know, all of a sudden, like probably first week, I see these signs says Jefferson State and it feels ominous and creepy. And I'm like, what is that? Scary? And then I start hearing about everybody up here has an opinion for everything. Guns, boots, hats, cattle, fields, stuff that I am not. You guys think that an air cooling unit is a swamp cooler. And I'm like, no, my friend, it's called an air conditioner. (laughs) I'm so thankful I grew up with one. And I'm not gonna lie, when I first moved here, how many of you know, even if you've been walking with Jesus a while, often our first impression is a fleshly impression, not Holy Spirit impression. Holy Spirit impression is usually the second one if you're mature enough to go, oh, that was the bad one, there's an alternate one. And when I first came here, probably the first two years, because, you know, I was in the flesh, I was growing, and I would notice these things, and I would go like, well, that's judgmental, or that's this, or we could do this better, we could do that better, or what's wrong with this person, what's wrong with this person, if we could just get more people, and yeah. But right around that, not all of it, but a lot of it. I think we all struggle with this, first impressions or fleshly impressions. 
But then somewhere around the third year, I fell in love. And I love our church. And now instead of seeing the faults and the flaws, you see when you grow in love, you see potential. You want to draw it out. You want to help. You're even willing to suffer in order to see it grow. This is Christ's vision of his bride. With that, I want to take a look at what God's word says about the church this morning and how Jesus sees us and put a positive spin on it. In short, I wanna talk about what the church is. There are six things that I want to cover this morning to bring you alongside and to discover. I do not have a PowerPoint this morning, so don't go looking for it. I didn't have time. But I want to lay them out first, and then we're gonna pack them as we go. Church is, number one, a command. A command. Church is, number two, a grace. A grace. Church is, number three, a habit. A habit. Church is, number four, smart. Smart. Church is, number five, a forest. A forest. And church is, number six, accountability accountability. So number one, right out the gate, church is a command. That means it's not negotiable. That means if your goal in life is to please the Lord and to please God, to be a follower of Jesus, then church for you is not optional. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25 is quite clear. It says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up, or in some translation, bringing out the Greek even stronger, forsaking meeting together, not giving up passively or even more strongly actively forsaking the meeting or gathering together as some are in the habit of doing, but rather encourage one another and all the more as you see the, D, the, sorry, the day with a capital D approaching. It's quite clear to me. This is not obscure. This is not one of those blurry sayings of Jesus or another scripture. It's quite clear. God, through the author of Hebrews says, do not give up or even stronger forsake meeting together. In other words, never say, eh, it's church. I'll eventually get there. Or even stronger, I don't need church. The Bible literally says, don't do that. We have a word for that. It's called sin. When you have this attitude or act this way or say these things, you are literally sinning before God. You are in disobedience to his word, which means you are also cutting yourself off from much needed grace. This is the fundamental point that if it is a command and we choose not to agree with it, we already have a word for that. It is called sin. You see, our job as disciples of Jesus Christ is not just to disciple the mind, it's also to disciple the heart. That whatever Jesus says is true, then I go, that's true. But also whatever Jesus says, I feel this way about that, then I am to also feel that way about that. 
You can sin in your emotions just as much as your head. And so it's not just a discipleship of the mind, it's also a discipleship of the heart. How Christ feels about us, it is my duty and it is my obedience to come into alignment with that feeling. Now I can hear someone say, yes, but what kind of command is this? There's lots of commands in the Bible and there's different kinds of commands. What kind of command is this one? In other words, let's get to the bottom line. Does this have anything to do with my salvation? (laughs) Otherwise, what of it? Acts chapter 16, verse 31, it says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Now that's a command. Amen. But my response back would be scripture for scripture. Listen to this. 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 through 21. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, i.e. church, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister, i.e. church, whom they have seen, cannot love God, whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister, i.e. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. It is right there. Church is a salvation issue. Not in the sense that church attendance saves you. Only Jesus can do that but it is one of the premier signs that you are saved. Why? I already laid it out for you. You gave your life to Jesus Christ and you said you let him into your heart. If the groom lives in you, then how are you going to feel about the bride? Oh. You can't get past this logic. You literally cannot leave this room and go, let me work my way around that one. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ and he calls himself the groom and he loves the bride, then how should you feel about the church like Jesus does? Otherwise, you have to wonder, does the groom live in me? Now, thankfully, I believe Jesus can live in our hearts and we just get very twisted in our understanding. And as long as we are open to being twisted back, I think we're okay. It's a real sign. Our feelings for the church, our love for the church, our reverence for the church, even if she's not perfect, but we are learning to see her beauty. That this is a real sign of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. And this should make us think. Sadly, this teaching has been watered down for too long. For too long, we've been malnourishing believers on the belief that church is optional. Many have even shipwrecked their faith on this lie. I don't need church, all I need is Jesus. When in fact, the word of God teaches otherwise. The main culprit, I think, is the old feud between Protestants and Catholics. Catholics, it is said, put too much emphasis on church and not enough on personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But Protestants, it is said, put too much emphasis on personal relationship with Jesus Christ and not enough on church. I am not about to get into the middle of that fun dialogue, but I will tell you after 15 years of experience in ministry, can I tell you what I have seen? It is this. A true follower of Jesus Christ who has surrendered their everything to him values both. Both. 
every time. Someone who fully loves Jesus, they are always, I need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Not that God's just up there. I need a personal daily relationship with Jesus. But at the exact same time, they also on the ground recognize I need church. Can amen? amen? So passing the whole Protestants, Catholic, it just seems to be that if you're truly filled with the spirit of Christ and it's healthy, this is not a controversy for you. <laughs> you feel a gravitation towards both. Jesus saves, but he loves his bride and he calls me to be there. So one church is a command. Do not forsake the gathering of believers. And what kind of command is it? A salvation one. Because it is one of the premier signs that God's spirit truly dwells within you. When I gave my life to Jesus Christ in my room by myself from an atheist, I knew nothing. I knew nothing about church and everything I did, I did not like because I figured it was a bunch of stereotypes, hypocrites, all that stuff. That's what I grew up with, that's what I believed. But when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, two things happened. One, God became alive to me in the most spectacular way I can never go back. But then two, is I felt the strangest drawing to go to church. Nobody told me that, nobody taught me that, I just felt it. Why? Because the groom was living within. And the first church I went to, dead as a doornail spiritually. No joke. First church I go to, I'm like, all I can put it is the spirit that filled my heart in my room, I did not feel in this church whatsoever. And I got really confused. I discovered there are not always healthy churches out there. Eventually, God plugged me into a healthy church. And when I got there, I've, I've been stuck on the, the bride ever since. Amen? Number one, and this is the most important one because everything we're talking about flows from it. Church is a what? A command. If you remember this and you get this and you stick to the word of God, you'll be fine. Two, and this flows from it being a command, church is a grace. Everyone say grace. This means that church is one of the premier meeting grounds where Jesus strengthens us spiritually. Church is one of the premier meeting grounds where Jesus strengthens us spiritually. Listen to this. Hebrews chapter 13, verse nine. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace. It's right there. What is grace for? Strengthening your heart. Who here needs more strengthening in their heart, in their walk with Jesus? Every one of us. Put your hands down. So who here needs church? Every one of us. No wonder the Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of believers. God's not like, I just say stuff to make you upset that day. Though some might think you think that. He's saying, don't do it because that is one of the premier places I strengthen you. When you stop going to church or you think poorly of church or irreverently of church, he's saying you're cutting yourself off from the well. That church is one of the wells in which Christ strengthens us spiritually. Church is a grace. We've got to get this back. I had so many people last service, at the end of it, they went, this made so much sense of my life and my activities when I was away from church and then I started going back to the church. It made so much sense. Well, yeah, 
because God's word talks about this. There's a young adult about a year ago who was raised in the church, went through a rebellious phase in his teenage years, came to our young adults group, rededicated his life to Jesus Christ, just got back on fire. It was awesome. He comes up to me afterwards, tells me all about it. And then in, in that kind of like worried way that new believers usually do, it's like, I just don't want to go back. What do I need to do to not go back to that old life? I don't want to lose this fire ever again. And I said, just keep coming back. <laughs> okay, I'll start reading my Bible. I'll start doing this and this. And I was like, yeah, reading your Bible's good. Okay, do that and this. But honestly, just keep coming back. That's it. Church is a grace keep coming back. That's it. That's all you need for right now. Guess what happened the next week? Wasn't there. Week two, wasn't there. And you know what's going through my head? He's miserable. I knew it because I know I believe the word of God. Church is a grace. That's where he strengthens you spiritually. If you give your life to Jesus, stop going to church. You're miserable. I see him the third week. Oh, Pastor Chris, my life's been horrible. This happened, this happened. Stop. Your life is that way, not because of all of that stuff. It's because you stopped coming. What do I do? Just keep coming. <laughs> Next week, not there. I'm like, some people learn the lesson the hard way. But by the next week, he was there. It was getting better. Again, oh, Pastor Chris, this happened and this happened and that. Stop. Stop making excuses. The reason that it stopped stopped working is because you stopped coming. Keep on coming. If I told that young man, hey, there's a well of water right there. I'm thirsty, Pastor Chris. I'm so thirsty all the time. Hey, there's a well right there. Oh, but I got distracted by my girlfriend. I got distracted by my work. I got distracted by the, 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 and then you see me again. It's like, oh, I'm so, I'm weak. I got sleeping right. Like my screen's drying out and this and this. I'm like, there's a well right there. Just drink it. But I got all this, sh- I would use a different word right now if it wasn't church. I'll just stop it. And that is what Jesus is saying to us. Stop coming up with excuses. If you are spiritually dry and weary and angry and your old flesh is coming back, look at your church attendance and are you plugged in? Because church is a premier meeting grounds place where Jesus pours out his grace. Number three. Church is a habit. What was number one? Church is a command. Two, church is a? It is a well. Oh, can I just share this wonderful, like, maybe nugget for you? Somebody go. Jesus says in that famous meeting with the Samaritan woman, and they're at a well. He says, if you want, you can drink that water, but you'll thirst again. But if you drink of the living water, I will give you, you'll never thirst again. Right, he says that, right? And then some of you, you read that, and like, it gave my life to Jesus. And you're like, but sometimes, like a lot of the time, I'm still thirsty. Jesus, what's that about? Well, there's other scriptures like Jeremiah where it says, you're also like a broken cistern. You leak. Oh, when you put the two together, it makes sense now. Jesus is always a full well full of water. He's got everything you need, but you leak, which means you got to keep on coming back. At least on this side of heaven. Are you hearing me? 
And then you're like, oh, that's what it was. But Jesus is saying, yeah, he is always a river of living water, but we're the ones that need to keep coming back every Sunday so that we keep coming back to the well. Amen? Some of you are like, that was awesome. That's very helpful. I thought there was just something wrong with me. Well, there is, but that's something else. All right, number three. We have fun up here. Church is a habit. Church is a command. Church is a grace. Church also must become a habit. This is how I define it. In the spirit, as a born-again believer, when I say church is a habit, I mean it is a supernatural disposition given to us by the Holy Spirit that turns into a settled decision. I'm going to break that down. Going to church or the desire to go to church is a supernatural disposition given to us by the Holy Spirit. So when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I told you, when the Holy Spirit came, when the groom filled my heart, first thing, I'm alive to God, this is awesome. But what's the second thing? Go to church. Where'd that come from? The Holy Spirit. That's a supernatural disposition. He started the puppy. But then guess what I had to do? Say, okay. Because I could have been like, nah. And the Holy Spirit would be like, that's a bad idea. You didn't die from it. Trust me, we're going to get to Judgment Day in a little bit. I had to own the disposition for myself to become a settled decision. There came a point in my life where I had to go, I am a churchgoer no matter what. No matter what happens, no matter what comes my way, I am a churchgoer because I live for Jesus and it's a command. And two, it is a grace that I need in my life. It has become a settled decision in my mind. The reason this is important is because there are some mornings you're gonna wake up and you are not gonna feel, let's go to church. You are gonna go, oh, I stayed up way too late last night. I don't think I'm gonna go. And the Holy Spirit's gonna go, well, whose fault was it that you chose to stay up late last night and so that you could spend some quality time with me this morning? Well, when you put it that way, well, you'll forgive me. He's like, yeah, I'll forgive you, but you are gonna miss out on the strength that I was gonna give you that morning for that week. You're missing out. Church has to become a habit. It has to become a settled decision. I am a church goer. It says that they had gotten in, the, gotten in the habit of not going to church. They got out of the habit of going. That means that originally it was a habit and then somewhere along the line, some excuses came along that they stopped going. And it makes sense why Hebrews is so strong about this is because they had begun to cut themselves off from grace. They'd gotten in the habit. That's why when I told the young man, the young adult, I was like, just start coming. That's all you gotta do. Just come to church, get in the habit of coming. And guess what? Just so you know, that young man has made a habit of coming to church. And he has even said his relationship with God has been more stable than he's ever felt in his entire life. And it's because he's become a churchgoer. He is drinking from the well. This habit is not merely natural, but supernatural. It is not merely like brushing one's teeth, that habit of brushing your teeth, because the Bible says that our desire to go to church is supernaturally sustained by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and power to do what pleases him. So the habit of going to church is not natural, but supernatural, even if you've been going a very long time or grew up in the church. 
In fact, I'm kind of thankful that I came to Christ as an atheist because I didn't have any background. And so when I came to Jesus and I felt that plug to go to the church, I knew it was supernatural right out the gate. But some of you in this room, you grew up in the church and it has never occurred to you that your desire to come to church is more than just your desire. That you come to church because underneath your desire is the living God calling you to himself and the gathering of believers. Especially if you're a young person in this room, you're like, well, I go to church because my parents make me. <laughs> or they made me. I would encourage you today to maybe understand that on one level that's true, maybe it started off that way, but if you've truly given your life to Jesus and you're a young person, I am telling you something exciting today. You come to church, if you will look and you will pray, you come to church because the living God dwells within you. And you are here because he is the one calling you to him. Talk about that making church come alive. This is also right where Satan gets in our heads. That he suggests really pathetic and human reasons to stop going to our life-saving well or life-saving grace. And this is where we kind of get pretty stupid about stuff. Well, that person hurt me. Or that person bothered me. Okay, here's the deal. If you were like dying from thirst and there's a well over there and someone insults you, do you like stay away from the well? No, you're like, get out of my way. I'm gonna go drink some water. <laughs> You hear what I'm saying? But we do this all the time. Like somebody bothered me, I'm not gonna go to church today. So you're gonna cut yourself off from God's grace that week because someone bothered you. Heck no. I say this all the time and I keep saying it until I die. Nobody is worth going to hell for. Nobody's worth going to hell for. So why do I go to church? Because it's a command, because there's much needed grace. And if y'all bug me, I don't really care. I'll close my eyes, but I'm still coming because I am getting it. I am here because I follow him. I am here because I need him. And by the way, I do like y'all. But if you were my primary reason, I don't know that many of us would be here. <laughs> number one, church is a command. Number two, church is a grace. Number three, church is a habit. Number four, what was it? That's because you guys listened to the message earlier. Oh, stinkers. Smart. Number four is church is smart. It is really, really smart. If you want to please God, you want to do something smart, go to church. If you're feeling spiritually weary, you want to do something smart, go to church. If you really want a great habit in your life, go to church. So church is what? It's really smart. You know what's really stupid? Not going to church. <laughs> gotcha. You're like, I'm a smart person. I, I pride myself on my intellect. Are you a churchgoer? Uh, you might want to rethink that. <laughs> Even if God's word was not enough for you, science is confirming this over and over and over. Study after study shows that those who attend church are happier and healthier than those who don't. You can literally Google it and you'll get study after study that shows scientifically, not done by believers, that those who go to church regularly are happier and healthier and do better than those that don't. Which as a believer, I'm like, shocker, no based on what the word of God already told me. Even science is telling us there is something special about church. So church is smart. It's a smart thing to do. So be a smart person and go. Number five, church is a forest. Church is a forest. Church is a network of people who support each other in Jesus's name. Forests are incredible if you ever get to read about them, especially some of the ancient ones that are still around. 
and they have these deep-rooted systems where if one tree is maybe being attacked by beetles or getting sick, the other trees will literally put off pheromones or even sometimes a mist in order to then protect and fight for the wounded tree or the one that's being attacked. that nuts? Or if one tree is not getting enough nutrients and is starting to actually get frail or sickly, the other trees that are stronger will actually send through the root system the nutrients and saps that it needs to help it to grow back to life. It's incredible. This is how the church works. This is how we, the body of Christ, work. That we are a forest and we are better together. We are stronger, we are healthier, we are happier, and we are maturer when we do this together. The Bible literally says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I love Paul's candidness. I think I take after him. He says, the hand cannot say to the foot, I don't need you. The hand cannot say to the foot, I don't need you. Because if the hand's like, I don't need you foot, and the hand's like, but I want a cookie, and the foot's like, you ain't getting there. You need me. The funny thing is, the word of God literally says, don't say stuff like that. And yet we say stuff like that all the time. I don't need you. I don't need nobody. I'm good on my own. And Jesus is like, no, you're not. Have you looked in the mirror lately? Have you taken the register of your emotions lately? You're not okay. Get rooted into the system. church has been called both a hospital and a barracks, and they're both true. We come to church usually when we're broken and we need some healing, and it's usually the body of Christ that brings it, that network. But then also as training, once you're healed enough, once you're better enough, then you start getting equipped about how to share your faith with others and bring the kingdom of heaven in your workplace or in your family or wherever it is that God is calling you. Both require that network and that forest. Being a part of the forest doesn't mean just receiving. It also means on some level you're giving too. So don't just come. Also ask the Holy Spirit where you can plug in and you can also give back. Find that place he has for you so that you keep a balanced and healthy life. So number one, church is a command. Number two, church is what? Grace. Church is not, number three, church is what? Habit. A habit. Number four? Smart. And number five? Forest. You guys are good. This is out the PowerPoint. Number six, last. I really want you to listen. I, I, I really do want to put, in a healthy way, the fear of God into you. I feel this for myself. Number six is church is accountability. You see, in that passage in Hebrews, if you noticed at the end, it said, spur one another on to good. Don't forsake the gathering of believers. Encourage one another. And then it ends with why? Because the day, capital D, is approaching. You see, the reason we also need each other is honestly to make sure that we pass judgment day. And this is the reason. We are all on this side of heaven have the danger of falling into spiritual pride, of thinking we're doing better than we really are because we don't have anybody in our lives close enough to tell us otherwise. This is a spiritual risk of all of us in this room, including myself, that if I do not have brothers and sisters of Christ close enough to me who will share with me and tell me and feedback my life, 
then I have a very strong possibility of becoming spiritually prideful and just thinking, I'm okay, everything's okay, I'm a good Christian, when really there's stuff in my teeth. Have you ever had that happen? Where you're like, I'm doing great, this is awesome. And then somebody who loves you goes, hey, you something in your teeth. How do you feel instantly? <laughs> Embarrassed. And what do you think of yourself? How long was that in there? Okay, I'm gonna tell you something, you ready? Some of y'all, all of y'all have stuff in your teeth. And that is, my, that is a loving thing for me to let you know. We should be doing that for each other. And preferably in love, just so you know. Judgment day is coming. And we all have a predisposition to think we're better than we're really doing. And it is my fellow brother and sister who are the ones that usually are kind of my spiritual check and balances to really let me know. My wife's a really good one. You know how being married's hilarious if you're married? You know that, right? Because like your, your, your spouse does not hide anything from you. Yeah, that was a real jerky move. What? And the Holy Spirit's like, it was, dang it. <laughs> but in many ways, that helped me because I would have just kept going not knowing that I was becoming more of a jerk than I realized. <laughs> And so on. Has anybody ever told you, like, you've been kind of angry lately and you didn't know it until they pointed it out? You're like, well, I guess I have been. Aren't you thankful they pointed it out? Who knows how long you would have been that way? Church's accountability. We should all on some level be reverent about judgment day. God, do I actually look the way I think I look? Your brothers or sisters are there to help you. The words of Jeremiah, the prophet, in a real way haunt me in a good way. Stop saying peace, peace, when there is no peace. In other words, stop saying, I'm fine, I'm fine, when you're really not. And who better to point this out than our fellow brother or sister in Christ who so keenly feels the defects in our character and so is not slow in telling us. We've all had those brothers and sisters who pointed out something in us and if they were more mature, probably been more loving, but every, sometimes they just say it because they're sick of you. <laughs> they're tired of it. Tired of you being this way. But honestly, if it's true, you should thank them for having brought it up and said something so they weren't surprised on the day of judgment. You hear me? Can I tell you a funny story? What are we at? Oh, where are we over? Okay, I'm gonna tell you real fast, real fast. You're gonna love it. When she, before she and I were dating, we were just friends. Whenever the Holy Spirit would tell me to do something, I'd share it with her. And, and I'd be like, yeah, I chickened out. I didn't do it. I kid you not, sh this is what she would tell me. Stop being a wuss. <laughs> not kidding. And then she, she would, then that leveled up to, you're being a wuss. How did we ever start, start, how do we even start dating, right? Talk to me that way. <laughs> and you know what's annoying? She was right. Almost every time, she basically was like, man up, man of God. And almost every time she was right. And I would have to be like, dang it, I am being a wuss in this area. And I would think to myself, well, I gotta be more courageous and brave. And so I started, and you know what? I'm way braver than I used to be. Why? Because I was willing to receive feedback 
for my sister in Christ. Do you have even one person in your life like that? Because if you don't, you better start praying that you get one because you're probably not far behind where God wants you to be. Because sometimes it is through the brother or sister that says what sometimes is not <laughs> so nice or friendly, but it's exactly what you needed to hear and the spirit of truth will let you know. We need that accountability. Sometimes I need to be told I'm being a wuss. Worship team, you can come up. I believe the way that we see church is one of the great blind spots of our day. We need to recapture and start praying again for how Jesus sees his bride. And that when we separate ourselves from church, in a real way, we are separating ourselves from one of his premier places of pouring out his grace. There are tons and tons of people, even believers, who think, why go to church? What's the point? And now you have six things to tell them. Beautiful things. Are you miserable? Are you tired? Are you anxious? Are you hurting? Come to church with me this morning on Sunday. Just come and experience the presence of Jesus Christ. Just come and be strengthened by his grace. And it isn't kind of magical. I hope you don't mind I use that word. I just like that word. But isn't it magical sometimes you come to church and you'll be like in a funk and be like, eh, I'm here just because I'm committed, which now you know is good, right? <laughs> but then you'll leave and something took place. And you're strengthened in the Lord. Amen? Church is a gift. It is one of the best gifts that God could have ever given us. And I am hoping there are lots of these cool things going off in your head now where you're like, wow, that explains my dark ages spiritually. It was like the same time I had said no to church. I'm fine on my own. But then you look back and you're like, I was not spiritually healthy. And then you're looking at yourself now going, I started going back to church and I am happier and I am healthier. I've got more spiritual momentum than I've ever had in my entire life. And there's some of you in this room that you're like, I've been going to church my whole life. I've been committed. And you're gonna go, thank you, Jesus for keeping me coming back, even when there's so many times I almost stopped. What a gift. Let's be thankful for the church, amen? Church is a command. Church is a grace. Church is a habit. Church is smart. Church is a force. And church is accountability for judgment day. In summary, church is stinking awesome. So what's your view of church this morning? Is it in fact biblical? Does it line up with the word of God and the vision of Jesus Christ? Or what if you can't attend church for legitimate reasons? Like maybe you're sick or having a transportation problem. My question would still be this, do you at least crave it? Do you still crave coming to church? Because as long as you crave it, it means the minute that you can, you will. And that is a good sign the groom is living in your heart. 
And I also believe this. I believe there are people who maybe for transportation reasons, sickness, I may not even be able to guess. Whatever is getting in the way, I believe that if church is important as God's word says, if you would start praying, God, do whatever you need to do. Heal my legs, get me out of the wheelchair, give me a new car so I can start going to church. I believe that God will start doing miracles for people to start coming back to church. What if you have no craving though? What if you are here listening to this and you have no craving for church at all? The Bible says that is not good. Spiritually, something is wrong. And even the Holy Spirit may have left the house. Because remember, our craving for church is not natural, but supernatural. It is sustained by God in those whose hearts are fully committed to his son, Jesus. So I encourage you tonight that if you are noticing, I have no craving for church. I'm just gonna start mustering it up, stop. Because the Bible says you need to start with your relationship with Jesus. How's your relationship with Jesus this morning? Are you still committed to him? Are you still totally surrendered to him? Because the Bible says that if you will rededicate your life to Jesus this morning and get right with him, he'll take your heart of stone and he will replace it with a heart of flesh. And he'll place his spirit in you so you'll be careful to keep all of his laws. So if you want that this morning, I encourage you to give your life to Jesus Christ or rededicate it so that the Spirit of God can dwell within you. And then all of a sudden you'll notice this, this, this rekindling of desire for the people of God. We're gonna just spend a little bit of time in the presence of the Holy Spirit, giving him a chance to give us a clearer vision of how Jesus sees, or for some of us to convict our hearts where we need some correction in this area. Because the reality is there's probably some of us in this room that we have been offending Jesus by throwing mud or shade, as they call it nowadays, on his bride. I do not believe any one of us are innocent here. The altar is open, but honestly, if I said, who here needs a better vision of church? Really, all of us should be responding to that, amen? Amen? I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> it's too big, it's too many people. But what I am asking is that you let the Holy Spirit search your heart this morning and make any corrections. If you need to get right with him this morning, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, I am now seeing a lot of things I've been saying lately. I've asked for forgiveness, <laughs> wash my heart, begin to guard my mouth. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you come even now. Correct us where we need to be corrected. Encourage us where we need to be encouraged. Spur us where we need to be spurred. Jesus, give us your eyes for your bride, for each other, and for ourselves.